Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hello, Don. How are you, J.J.? I am good today. How are you? I'm wonderful. Today, we're going to interview Rachel Hollis. Rachel Hollis is a social media expert. She's worked for Walmart, Disney Junior. Oh, a bunch of other stuff. I list them in the actual podcast, but she knows what she's doing. Yeah. I got to tell you. Yeah, go. I'm not good at it. <laughs> at social media? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not good at it. <laughs> you never post on Facebook. Well, uh, hardly, have, almost ever. Well, I don't know how to get on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't. It's been 10 years. <laughs> since you've been on Facebook. Yeah, it's been more than that. It's probably been yeah. more than 10 years since I've been. I mean, you, you I do have a, post on Facebook from other. You don't know this, but you post on Facebook from other social media. Right, from like Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. So it automatically goes. And that sort of thing. So that happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I just feel like a big, giant belly flop when it comes to <laughs> social media <laughs> and yeah and the whole time i'm listening to this interview with rachel i'm just like oh you're just bad you're just yeah. not good you're just not good yeah. <laughs> whenever i'm scrolling through instagram i do consume social media yeah and when i'm scrolling through instagram i stop and i see what you're doing even though i just saw you i saw yeah. I <laughs> you saw the picture i took downstairs while that's right upstairs yes that's right um, it's usually a party that's happening without me yeah. downstairs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't invited yeah. to um, <laughs> i like instagram a lot yeah so i would say all of my different social media Medias are actually targeted at completely different audiences. Oh, so Facebook intentionally is, you did that, or just kind no, of no, it just kind of developed yeah. that way. So I would say the most strangers, like the less actual personal contact I have with people, is on Instagram. While I follow my friends and I have friends who follow me, I know less people on Instagram than probably any of the others. Lots of strangers follow me there. And that's really like a personal, this is how I live my life. You know, it's just kind of like things I'm doing and engaging in yeah. and places I go. What's your eating? I don't do a lot. Well, what I cook, if I cook yeah, ever, because it's such a unique thing for me. And then Twitter, I would say, is like a little bit more businessy for me. I still post personal stuff, but that tends to be the place that I'll, you know, do inspirational quotes. Do you read your Twitter feed? I do, yep. But I limit my followers in both spaces to about 200. I only follow about 200 people on oh, Twitter. Oh, see, I follow a ton I of can't because I read and watch everything. I basically limit it to about 200, and they're only people that I know. But my followers, that's a lot of space, like from StoryBrand. A lot of people from StoryBrand yeah. follow me on Twitter. And then I would say Facebook is much more relational. It's a smaller group. It's personal. These are, you're keeping up with high school friends. Yeah, and like that. high school, college, people that I used to work with. I don't really accept friends from people I don't know there. So that's more personal. So each of mine, actually, I post different things in different spaces depending on the audience. I use Instagram the most. Yeah. I bet you I post three or four pictures a month. Yeah. And they're usually poorly lit. <laughs> Not in. I remember I was actually scrolling back. crying. Yeah. <laughs> scrolling back through recently. And I posted a picture of, it snowed here in Nashville. Uh-huh. And the backyard looked decently pretty but it hadn't snowed enough to actually fully cover the ground <laughs> yeah. and it did like 30 minutes later i'm like oh this will do <laughs> there's like patches of dirt poking through and yeah it's really yeah. true and the other thing is i try not to carry my phone i try to leave it behind but i swear elvis could walk up and say hey man you know you have a peanut butter sandwich i'm like oh yeah i really should get a picture with him and i'm like yeah oh, <laughs> phone's in the kitchen it's uh, too much asshole <laughs> oh, yeah too much asshole i'm yeah. just not motivated yeah. to do it twitter i have to put on a screen this is not a joke it's on a screen you swipe through my phone uh-huh. by itself uh-huh. and it's all the way at the very far end because twitter is where i get in trouble yeah <laughs> i'll tweet something there's a level of 
anger on Twitter <laughs> that's up five notches from Instagram. Yes. Instagram is sweet. Yes. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. And Twitter is just like, I'm yeah, angry. It's a dumpster fire. It yeah. is. It really is. And so I've gotten into a little bit of trouble <laughs> on Twitter. Like, no, put it down. Put it down. Betsy, like, probably takes your well, phone away. And I didn't even, sometimes I don't know because I don't go check. So I just tweet something and three days later, you're down 700 <laughs> followers. And it's like, yeah. people are like, I hate you. <laughs> And I have found your sister, and yeah. we have her. Yes. That's what Twitter does a lot of times. I get a lot of news from Twitter. I know it's yeah, going it on. Yeah, it is a good, good news for feed. news. I get inspired a lot on Twitter, but there is a lot of angry Twitter people. Yeah. People are yeah, mad. Twitterers, twiters. <laughs> I wonder if that will change. I wonder if it's in a phase where the internet will become nicer I hope over so. time. Overwhelmingly, I think the internet that I do, if that's <laughs> a thing, you do internet, is very nice. My Instagram is nice. It's pleasant. I really actually love reading every comment and all that kind of stuff. But I would argue, though, JJ, you you tell me what you think of this. I would argue that my abysmal Instagram-ness, pictures that, like, if you'd have taken another 12 seconds, the picture could have been a great picture. But I just was like, here's what's happening now. Yeah, but it's more real this way. It is. And I would argue that that's healthy. Yeah. Because Betsy told me about some study. Now, I shouldn't talk about studies without being able to reference them because <laughs> like, customer service somewhere gets so on lit the up. Internet <laughs> yeah, that I on, do, the internet. on the internet that I do, there's a study. There is a study, Betsy told me about it, that says sort of the more polished your Instagram presence is, and it may have been internet presence, I don't know, mm-hmm. but the more polished it is, the more you like pose for Instagram posts and all that kind of stuff. There's a psychological connection, mm-hmm. not to actually you trying to impress people. That's where I thought she was going. Yeah. And she said, no, it's not that. It's actually people trying to convince themselves that their lives are meaningful. Yeah, interesting. And I thought, that's the only thing I've ever heard that makes me feel good about my Instagram. <laughs> and <laughs> it's some nothing. obscure study yeah. that I can't reference, <laughs> exactly. but it makes me the winner. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, one of you and I's jokes is when in real life being like super boring or like going to bed at eight o'clock, we'll be like, oh, our lives really are better than Instagram. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> like we don't really try to like gussy it up, yeah. but like the joke kind of is like when on New Year's Eve, we were talking about the fact that yeah, like, down, down everybody else is partying and we're like, oh, if this party isn't over by 8.45, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> it's actually true. We hosted I know you did. the New Year's Eve party and I was in bed by 10. We were hosting the party. And I know. And I went to bed. And I left before you. <laughs> <laughs> and I love my life. Yes, like, I'm going to write too. a book that's just called How to Really love your life yeah. that nobody else would ever With want. With crappy Instagram photos. That's right. <laughs> nobody else would want. Well, here's the thing. It might be costing us money. Yeah. <laughs> now let's bring it back to the real of where it comes down These to. These terrible yeah. habits of yours and mine, according to Rachel Hollis, it's costing us. Yeah. And as she would say, look, there's a community of people. And actually, we do, StoryBrand does a great job with social media. We tag teaming all over the staff a little bit. April Sunshine does a great job with it. Bethany actually chimes in. And I, you know, I read my Instagram. That's what I do. And my Instagram tends to be personal. Like, I know what I should be using it's a brand awareness thing. I don't. Yeah. yeah. You're going to get pictures of the dog. But she says, look, you're missing some opportunities here to create a community. What people want is a community around your brand. And, you know, I realize as, you know, Amazon is the biggest retailer in the world. We're all doing, hopefully, you're online selling or have a presence online, doing what you need to do online. And these used to be retail shops. These used to be community centers. These used to be malls. And people went, I mean, when I was a kid, we didn't go to the mall to go shopping. We went to the mall for community. Yeah. You know, yeah. we went to the mall, hang out with our friends, and you know, see who the new barista is. She's cute. <laughs> I think she's got a boyfriend. Yeah. You know, that was that was the whole thing. Yeah, and now that's all online. Yeah, and if there's not a community surrounding your business, you're missing out. 
Yeah. And I, I think she's right. I think she has a great point. She also has some really practical tips for people like me who don't want to do this <laughs> and who are introverts. Yeah. Part of the thing is, as an introvert, as a moderate introvert, I'm not yeah. like an extreme introvert. Yeah, yeah. I'm juggling too many relationships, yeah. right? And they're all an inch deep. And so it's like, I want to add more to that. Yeah. <laughs> and she talks about how to do that in a way that I think is doable. Well, she's done it. She's done it. Yeah. yeah, she's successful at it. And so I really like this interview. Anybody thinking, I got to up my social media game. Yeah. You're going to enjoy this. Here's my conversation with Rachel Hollis. Rachel, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. We are going to talk about something that is long overdue on the Building a Story Brand podcast, and that is building an engaged audience, mainly through social media, but I would imagine also through email and live events and those kinds of things. The world has changed quite a bit. We're used to you could send out a giant mailer, direct mail to thousands and thousands of people, have some customers respond, and now it's really about building a community. And you have helped a lot of brands do this, including Walmart, Disney Junior, JCPenney, Rubbermaid, Sprint, Keurig. I mean, on and on. And so you know how to do this. And I'm curious, just from a, you know, a lot of our business leaders, they have sub sort of half a million dollar businesses and down there. They don't have much of a social media presence and they're just getting started. First of all, why is it so important to start building this community around your business? It's 2018, Don. And I feel like it's only going to get more and more digital in terms of how we communicate with each other. And I think oftentimes clients who haven't really stepped into this space hesitate to do it because they're like, man, I'm doing great and I haven't needed to be present online. But everybody spends gosh, half their time looking at their phone. And I just feel like if you are not in that space, if you are not relevant, if you are not keeping up with that, I don't care who your client is, they are looking at that screen. And if you're not there, you run the risk that someone else is going to be speaking to them and then taking their business. And I feel like oftentimes with, if you have people who haven't really stepped into social media yet, they tend to think like, well, I just don't know how to do it or I haven't really done it before. And I like to remind them that, you know, at one time you didn't know how to drive a car. At one time you didn't know how to walk, <laughs> yeah. but you had to learn these things so that you could grow. I think, you know, just like a vehicle takes you from one place to another, I really am passionate about the idea that social media, email, things of that nature, building a community and a tribe can take your business to the next space. What do you say to somebody who just doesn't like Instagramming all the time or tweeting all the time or that sort of thing? You know, there's a big argument for just be present, be where you are and those kinds of things. I think there's a lot of business leaders who feel like, I just want to create a great product and I want people to find it and I don't want to have to do all this jumping through hoops. Is there a method that you give to those people that actually make the process enjoyable, that's less like selling and more like sharing? And what do you tell somebody who's unwilling to do that? So first of all, I would say you're not using the right platform. If you hate social media, I think you probably haven't found your niche yet. Hmm. I'm not a huge fan of Twitter, so I don't hang out there. I love Instagram. I'm a visual person, so I love seeing what other people are doing. So that doesn't... And I love that advice, too, because it allows you to be yourself. You know, don't become somebody fake in order to spread word. A hundred percent. I want to remind everybody, especially if you're business-minded, LinkedIn is one of the greatest platforms that exists today. You love LinkedIn? 
I love LinkedIn. I mean, that is the space to find articles, to share information, to see what people are up to. All of the people I admire post there, Tony Robbins and Dave Ramsey. And so I'm constantly absorbing that wisdom. But I think that you have to find the social media platform that works for you. And I also really want to encourage people who are listening, don't go run out and get on every platform. Just choose one and do it really, really well rather than trying to be on every single space and then doing a crappy job. Okay. Well, you've got five things to build an engaged audience that I want to talk about. And the first one is you say deep versus wide. What do you mean by deep versus wide? Well, so many people are obsessed with the idea that in order for social media to work for you, that you need as many followers and as many fans as possible. And that's just not true. In fact, people who have 500 engaged fans or audience members are way more powerful than someone who has 500,000 that barely pay attention. In particular, let's say you own a small business and it's just localized. You own a bakery or you're an accountant in a small town. Having a following in your town can be super powerful. It's incredible word of mouth. It creates a great little tribe. So I always tell people, don't try and get more friends. Don't try and get more fans. Try and take better care of the people you already have. So really simple ways that you can do that. Number one, I got to ask you to ask yourself why you have this platform. Why are you on Facebook? Why are you on Instagram? I can't tell you how many times I have sat with Fortune 500 companies, a room full of people, and I'm like, what is your Facebook for? You've got 2 million fans here. What is your Facebook for? And nobody can give me an answer. If you don't think through, what's the point? Are we offering information? Are we trying to make people laugh? Are we trying to show them our product? If you don't know your why, like Simon Sinek says, if you don't know your why, how are you supposed to deliver it to them? So using those platforms to answer every single comment, to like it when people say something, to answer questions. Facebook can be one of the greatest customer service tools you will ever have. And every time you don't respond to people, all of your new customers who are considering using you can see that. So it's really simple to serve your tribe well. You just need to show up for them. Honestly, it makes my brain explode when I go on someone's Facebook page and I see all sorts of comments and nobody is responding to them or at the very least liking them. I'll tell you, I'm sure you guys are the same. We're getting thousands of comments a day. There are three people on my staff who just are answering questions, writing back, clicking like, because we want you to know that this community is for you. And if we're not showing up for you there, then why would you show up for us? In some ways, it's like the information center at a giant mall. Everything is going digital. The physical environment is less and less important, although I think at least it is in this phase. And if you don't have that cash register up front and the information booth and people walking through the store talking to people, it all lives digital. And so I love this idea that you actually have three people responding at all times. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. If someone reaches out, let's say to me or even to you, someone reaches out to one of us, it takes a lot of courage to reach out to someone online. You have to like them enough. You have to want to talk to them. And if nobody responds to you, it's crushing. I've been that person. I'm a huge book nerd. And when I've reached out to authors that I admire and they don't write back, I know it's so silly, but it hurts my feelings and it changes my perception of them as an author. It takes very little to love on people. Honestly, just going through and clicking like can take five minutes out of your day, but just tells your tribe, like, I see you, I know you're here, and I want to be present for you. Okay, principle number two, give as much as you ask for. 
Yes. If you are dying to get into social media, or if you just know that you should, you're kind of being pulled along. One of the best books that I think exists in the space is Jab, 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 Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk. And it's the idea that for, I wish I was cool enough to know boxing terminology, but for every single time that you're going to ask someone to do something for you, you need to have offered them three pieces of information just for free just for being here. So let's say I own a bakery. um, And let's say I only have, the only thing that I can think of to post is a sale that we're having or a new flavor of cupcake. Well, I want to make sure that I offer people content surrounding the thing that they're coming to me for. So maybe I'm going to offer them, if you're coming to me, maybe you're buying birthday cake. So I'm going to use my Facebook page to share my favorite birthday parties that I found on Pinterest. I'm going to offer you tips and advice. I'm going to tell you a book that I love. I'm going to tell you the ice cream flavors that pair best with the cake that you want. I'm going to try and find all sorts of ways to serve you well so that you want to engage with my page. And when I finally do ask you to do something, you're so much more likely to do it because I've served you. So for instance, people say, well, what is an ask? What do you mean by ask? And the simplest way I can sum it up is if you have a link, if you're linking out to anything, it's an ask. If you're asking them to sign up for an email, if you want them to go buy something, if you want them to share your page or write a comment, anytime you're asking them to do something, you need to make sure that you have given them a ton of stuff so they're not annoyed. The best example I can think of this is today. I have a new book that came out today. And for a year, I have no... Thank you. But for a year, I've known that this book is coming out and I have not asked my tribe to do anything. Don't buy anything. Don't go anywhere. Don't. I have just served, 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 tried to offer as much value as I can so that when we did have something, you know, hey, this book's coming, this tribe rallied around me so hard because they're like, yeah, man, Rachel's been taking care of us forever. How can we give back to her? So also being really mindful of that in your strategies. If you have a big sale that's coming this fall, if you want them, you know, tax season's coming and you want them to come in and knowing that that's then really, really pile on the value so that when you do have an ask, they're ready to go. Yeah, I would think that the world has changed so much in the sense that even 15 years ago, it was a world where if you were an influencer, you broadcast. And so you'd broadcast on the radio or you know, then podcasts came in. But it was where you spoke and the most interaction you'd get is if you had a call-in radio show, right? Or if you had an editorial in a newspaper, one person might get their response to that editorial printed And these days, it's not like that at all. It's really not broadcasting as much as it is engaging in conversation. It's a different medium. Are there certain kind of people who are more wired for this than others? I think this pairs so excellently with what you teach because it's the idea of you are their guide. Like the whole staff, we took the story brand thing like a year and a half ago when y'all first put those out. And it was so incredible for us because my social media had been about me. I mean, I'm in lifestyle media, right? So here's like my hair, here's my nail polish, whatever. That sounds so silly. And I had this, I loved them and they loved me. And listening to that, I was like, oh my gosh, I never was able to put it in words before, but like, this isn't about me. This is about them. And so instead of saying like, here's my outfit, I would say, hey, here's five ways you can wear black skinny jeans. Here's three things you can do right now to be a better wife. 
here's all of these things to serve you. Let me guide you. So I think that was an excellent tee up. I know you didn't do it on purpose, but the people who are really going to excel here are the ones that they do want to serve their tribe and they want to guide them well and they want to make their lives sing. It's not about look at me. It's about, man, look at you and what can I help you do or achieve in your own life? That segues great into your third principle, and that is content is king. And of course, we believe this very much at StoryBrand and created a lot of great content. In fact, I would say we work as hard to create free content as we do paid content. It's just a constant development of content. You've got some best practices here, and one of them is decide in advance the five things that you're going to talk about on social, and don't break from those five things, or be careful not to break from those five things. That's huge. I know of so many people who they've got a platform and they're really an expert in this particular field. And then you go to their social media and it's all over the place. I mean, they're, they're sharing recipes and all this kind of stuff. And meanwhile, they're an accountant, you know what I mean? I'm just like, don't be doing that. <laughs> how important is content for us to create one? And then how important is for that to be focused content? Well, I think content is so key because otherwise what is on your social? It's just 57 link outs to the random blog that you have on your website that someone told you you needed. Content really matters. And so starting there, the first piece of advice I would offer, if you're not sure what kind of content you should be doing, you need to be following your competitors. You need to be following the leaders in your field. You need to be following like the end all be all man, if I could be like this company, that would be the dream. What are they doing on social? What kind of content are they showing to their tribe? And how can you do that in your own way? So that's number one. And number two, I think the focus is everything. This is about brand voice. And I like to believe that if you are a follower of mine, and you're scrolling through your Facebook, or you're scrolling through your Instagram, even if it's not a picture of me, you will know that it's something from my company before you even read who sent it. Because our visuals are always so similar, the colors are the same, the aesthetics are the same. It's really important to us that we're focused. And I have those five things. So I am really proud of being a working mom. I'm really proud of being an entrepreneur. I talk a lot about my marriage. That's a big part of my life. We're passionate about adoption. And I'm an author. So those are the five things that you are going to see show up on my personal Instagram over and over and over. Because otherwise, I feel like we get lost. It's exactly what you said. It's like, here's what I ate for dinner, and here's this, and here's that. And I don't think it's interesting for the customer or the fan. I also love... I'm fangirling so hard, and I'm just going to keep quoting you back to you. You guys <laughs> always say, if you confuse, you'll lose, right? Like, if they don't know who you are, if they don't know what you're about, if they don't know what to expect, they're not sure if they should follow you or you start to lose the fans you do have because they don't understand the direction you're headed in. Well, you've heard me say many times that marketing is a ripoff, and I think most marketing is a ripoff. I think billboards that I see when I drive down the road, they're a ripoff. Why? You can't read them. They're such vague messages. The font is a font you can't read, and you know they don't sell anything. Half the time, you don't even know who's advertising what. That's a ripoff. And you know what? A lot of websites aren't much better. We think we're communicating clearly, but then I go to your website. I don't understand what you sell, what you want me to do. It's a bunch of cute and clever words, but nothing clear. And you say, Don, easier said than done. I can't find a graphic artist or design company who will make good story branded websites and marketing collateral for me. 
Well, we've solved that problem. If you go to clarifyyourmessage.com, clarifyyourmessage.com, every single person in that directory, every single StoryBrand certified guide has spent four days with me and my team, and we've taught them how to create a sales funnel for our clients that works. That is a website, a lead generating PDF, and emails that get people to respond. They can do a lot more than that. They can help you with your keynotes. They can help you with your booth at your trade show. They can help with the odd stuff, but they are certified to create a sales funnel that will get you a return on your investment. They understand the framework. They live by the framework. They believe in the framework, and they employ the framework to grow your business. Now, we don't take a dime. If you do business with them, we don't take a single dime. We're not saying this because I want your money. I'm saying this because We've certified people who can get you results. The next time you redo your website, create a lead generator, the next time you create any marketing collateral, check out our directory at clarifyyourmessage.com. Shop around, see who you like, see who you might click with, make some calls, get to know them, and find your next marketing ninja. Clarifyyourmessage.com. Well, for a lot of us who say, okay, this all sounds exhausting to me. It sounds like I'm going to have to be the editor of a newspaper. Principle number four is going to be very encouraging, and it's create a tribe, a community that will run itself without you. And I remember this, oh, it was probably like the fifth or sixth story brand workshop that we did. Being a somebody with a little bit of the entertainment gene and definitely being a professor type person, I assumed I needed to lecture for 16 consecutive <laughs> hours in order for people to get their money's worth. And then we started breaking. I'd say, okay, talk about this at your table for a little bit. And then we got these surveys back and people were like, we really would like more time talking to each other around a table. And I thought, wait a second, you're going to pay me to fly to Nashville to talk to each other around a table. But they wanted to connect with each other. And so we actually baked that in. You know, I still do a lot of lecturing, but we baked that in. And it was really strange to sort of walk around and engage in these conversations at different tables and realize they like this. This is value. This is great value for them because they don't get a chance to talk to like-minded people or people in the same boat as them or people who are struggling with the same challenges and those kinds of things. And they cherish that time. It took me having to see it and read the surveys to go, okay, it's true. They really want to connect. How do you foster an environment where your tribe is beginning to run itself without you? Well, so first of all, it's exactly what you said. And I think that people really miss this key piece of social media. Most people who are on social really want to be able to connect with somebody. And I can tell you that I have 850,000 fans all over the world. 99% of them are women. And what I have learned over the last you know, seven years of doing this work is that this community just wants to be seen. They just want to connect with someone that they can talk to about things that they like. And no matter what it is you do, if you have 200 fans in a small town or 100,000 on Facebook, those people are there for a reason. They're spinning around a central force, which is you or your company. And they want to be able to talk about motorcycles or baking or raising children or whatever it is. And I think you really can't overstate how much they want to be able to talk to each other. So really simple ways you can do this. Asking a question. Hey, it's Friday. Every Friday morning, we're going to ask a question that's relevant to the tribe. We'd love to hear what you guys would think. Hey, you guys, what flavor should we add? Hey, you guys, where's everyone going on vacation? And not just asking the question, but also engaging with them as they start to 
connect with each other. In-person events, like using the social media, particularly those of you who are in small towns or can do something local, take that in person. So how do you take the 400 people that you've got who are your fans and say, hey, on Saturday afternoon, we know that you guys are really into planning birthday parties this year. So we're going to bring in the top five party vendors. We've got the local clown. We've got the girl who dresses up like the frozen princess. We've got cupcake flavors you can try and the person who makes balloon animals. And if you want to come see and talk and whatever, take an hour, have some coffee. We want to serve you well and give you guys a chance to connect with each other. So thinking of not just digitally, but how do we take this into real life if we can. Facebook groups are super powerful if you've never done that. You can have an open group or a private group, but basically it's like, hey, the only thing that we're going to talk about in here, this is where you can get a little more niche. So let's say um, you've got the StoryBrand Facebook page, and we're going to create a private Facebook group for people who are just fans of JJ. And the only thing we're going to talk about in here <laughs> that would is be how, a very right? big group. That would be a huge group. Right? You will break the internet. Yeah, you would be surprised. <laughs> like we have a handful of groups. We have one that's just for people who are super motivated and are working out. We have another one that's just for moms. So we give them an opportunity. And I am telling you, we don't manage those at all. We check in because we want them to know that we see them and we're there. But they are posting constantly, like thousands of posts a month. So they have this sense of community. They associate it with us, even though we're not doing anything. And they just know us as a space that recognizes and loves on women. And it can be the same for your business, no matter what you rep. That's actually great news for introverts because I think there are literally some introverts listening going, oh my gosh, this is an extrovert's job. (laughs) Only an extrovert can manage this kind of thing. But really, I think a lot of introverts enjoy creating community. They enjoy hospitality. They just don't want to have to be the center of attention. And you're providing a way to do social media, a way to build a tribe, a community where you don't have to be an extrovert. Okay, I want to get to the final one, the fifth principle, offering more value than anyone else in your category. I love the challenge. Tell me how you learned to do that and why it mattered. I don't know that it was something that I could have put words into when I started in this industry. I think that I just, right away as women began to follow me online, I recognized that they were women just like me. And so from the very beginning, I just thought of these people as my friends. And I tried to serve them constantly with what they would want or what I would want in my own life. And I showed up for them over and over in the ways that they were telling me that they wanted to see me. So the simplest idea, but so profound, is when you are working in your social spaces, you need to follow the signs of life. You need to pay attention to what people are organically responding to. So oftentimes we will throw up 27 things onto a social platform and just keep doing the same thing over and over, not really paying attention to just this one thing. Man, this one picture of a cupcake is organically doing better than anything else we've ever done. Well, sister, why aren't you doing more pictures of cupcakes? Or for me, live streams are really popular with my audience, like super popular. I used to do them all the time. Well, life gets in the way and, you know, writing a new book and all of these things. And I've got four kids, which is the same as having a thousand kids, (laughs) right? And all of a sudden it's hard to do live streams. And we got so many emails and so many DMs. 
I was out on book tour and I swear to you, every single woman was like, I miss your live streams. And I came home and told my husband, like, I've got to do live streams again. I want to show up for this community because they always show up for me. And so if you just set out from the very beginning, how can I offer more value to my customers? How can I help them with things Maybe I offer tax services, but are there other things that I could give them throughout the year that would be really beneficial? Are there other things like there's a real estate agent we were talking to recently and he said, oh, I'm going to come walk through and appraise the house. And oh, by the way, I have a handyman who will fix everything. I've got the guy who'll do it all. And it never occurred to me, oh, well, obviously that's someone a real estate agent should have in his back pocket. But if he's not thinking of how to offer value to us as clients, then he doesn't have that ready to go. So just simply asking the question, how can I serve this tribe is going to get you 50 answers that you can start implementing and see what they respond to. Rachel, we're having this conversation on February 6th. I had no idea that your book came out today. I knew it was coming yes. out soon. Congratulations, by the Thank way. You. I'm sure it's doing amazing. Will you tell us a little bit? The book is called Girl, Wash Your Face. <laughs> so it's not. Uh, it really has nothing to do with Ford at all, but I love you. For I saying. know, but hey, let me just point out that you really served our audience without even hardly mentioning your book. So listen, let's tee it up. I'm begging you. Tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, I really wanted to encourage women to speak their truth and to live into who they are meant to be. And I think it's really easy for people to see my Instagram or this company that I've built and think, well, it's easy for you to say, follow your dreams when you have the life that you have. And I realized that the only way I could really truly get across to women that you can have anything and be anything is if I told you about my trauma and I told you about my childhood and I told you how hard I worked to build the business to where it is. You start each chapter with a lie you once believed. Yes. Yeah. So, That's so powerful. Can you tell us a couple of those? I'm curious. Yeah. So the lies are things like I deserve to be treated this way, which is the story of the beginning of my marriage and making some really bad choices there. I have a chapter where the lie is I need a drink. There was a while where I was really abusing alcohol. I mean, I get into it all, Don. There's yeah. really nothing that I don't talk about. I talk about there's a lie like I'm a bad mom or I'm not good enough. There's an entire chapter on being a workaholic. And I probably a lot of other entrepreneurs listening can identify with this. The first you know, five years I had this business, I worked until I made myself sick every day because I was obsessed with the idea that if the business didn't succeed, that I was a failure. So I just put it all out there. And I hope that by admitting to some of the things that I really struggled with, that other women would be encouraged and would maybe see the lies in their own lives. I love it. That's beautiful. Well, if anything, you're not alone. I mean, you've created a community yeah. of people who are warriors. They surround you. You champion each other. And I love that you shared your story in a book. Again, the book is called Girl, Wash Your Face, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere else you can find books. Rachel, this has been incredibly helpful. I find it, you know, even as I listened to you, I thought, okay, I've got to start a new LinkedIn strategy. and Maybe I uh, need to start <laughs> oh, Instagram a little bit more. I need to go through and hit the little heart button yes. on my Instagram comments. You should be so present on LinkedIn. It's not even funny. I know. Like, you should be so hard on that. You should have a person who just does that for you. Sorry to I just know, get all counselor on you. I do want to say this to you because I feel like this is something that maybe other listeners can identify. I have a high school education. Every single thing that I know about business, I have learned through a Google search bar. And I just... <laughs> 
really want you and Tim and anyone else who works on the show to know how much I value the work that you do. I listen to podcasts constantly to arm me with knowledge and confidence to lead this team of people and to grow this business to new heights. And I don't think y'all get to hear enough just how much we devour the things that you do and the knowledge that you share and the people you have on. So thank you so, so, so much. Well, I'm for grateful for that. That's super encouraging. We love doing it and we love success stories. And so you are definitely one of the success stories. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for giving us your time. All right, so we're going to be good at this now. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I do think I'm going to execute on some stuff. You know, I'm going to do the LinkedIn presence thing. Yeah. And actually, LinkedIn is something I feel like I might want to do myself anyway. Yeah. Instead of just having my assistant do it or have a presence there. I actually had this weird thought the other day of what if we just had artificial intelligence do this for us? Yeah. <laughs> and then people were like, boy, I can't respond to everything. What if I had artificial intelligence? And our uh-huh. artificial intelligence were just talking to each other. There was actually and no, nobody actually yeah, talked. Just literally, just our <laughs> robots talking with it. Yeah, I think that is a already a movie. Yeah, yeah. I think. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, great interview with Rachel Hollis. A lot to think about there, and I do agree. We're leaving money on the table if we don't have a good social media presence. Yeah. Next week's guest. Yes. Patrick Lencioni. Tim's business slash man crush. Yeah, he really does. (laughs) Tim has a man crush on Patrick, and I actually saw him speak in Arizona maybe a year ago. He nails it every single time. It was weird. Oh, really? (laughs) No, I mean, it was weird how good he was. Oh, yeah. I've seen him probably speak live four to five times every single time. You've seen him four to five times. See, I'd only seen him that once. Home run. Home run every time. I did feel a little bit like I was being hypnotized. He's kind of a mesmerizing guy, and he didn't have a script. Yep. He just had some points that he made, and he probably did 20 minutes off script. It was sort of a special audience. He was getting an award. He wasn't like presenting yeah. a normal talk. He was getting an award, which is a hard thing to kind of go up and give 45 minutes as you're getting an award. Yeah. And he did that, and I'd never heard him speak before, and I bought every book yeah. and read them and cried and just thought, this is the way business should be. <laughs> yes. And He's it, so good. He's very, very good. If you don't know anything about Patrick Lencioni... He's the one who wants to make your work environment wonderful. Yeah. He's the one who wants you to be heard. He's the one. And effective and drama free and life giving as it can possibly be. All that. And I'm not blowing smoke. Yeah. Here's a little bit of my conversation with Patrick Lencioni, but make sure you tune in next week. Here's a little clip. You know, Alan Mulally turned Ford around. I don't know if you've read that book, um, American Icon, but I highly recommend it. He turned Ford around in the worst situation it could have been. It's really quite an amazing story. And far too few Americans understand it. I didn't until I met him and I read the book. He fired almost nobody at Ford. Huh. I would have thought he'd have gone in there and yeah, said, Yeah, okay, clean house. Right. You know what he did? He said, this is the new way we're going to do things. That's how we're going to do it. And then he'd catch somebody doing the wrong thing. And he'd go, you know, you, you got to come to all these meetings we're having. And they'd go, well, I don't really want to. And he'd go, that's okay. And they go, really? And he goes, yeah, we could still be friends, but you can't work here. So what do you want to do? It's up to you. And he meant it. He wasn't bitter. Do you know how many people left on their own quickly? Yeah, a lot, I would imagine. And there's something about joyful accountability, I call it, that, you know, we don't do. I like to say this. I tell somebody once, and I'm not good at this. I'm an ENFP in the Myers-Briggs, so I'm I'm kind of a, a wuss, as I call it. And so I'll see a person do something wrong, and I'll go up and tell them. And then I'll see them do it again the next week, and I'll go right to my wife, and I'll tell her. (laughs) And then I'll go right to my colleagues and I'll tell them. (laughs) And then I'll go, why doesn't this guy get it? 
All right, if you haven't subscribed to the Building a Story Brand podcast, you need to do that now. Next week is Patrick Lencioni, and we've got some great changes coming up this year, JJ. Yeah. I'm just going to tease it. We're introducing our first Building a Story Brand correspondent. I know. A globetrotter. Yes. She is flying all over the world to get amazing interviews mm-hmm. for Building a Story Brand. We're going to introduce her. That's coming up. Lots of great recipes. Yeah. Social media <laughs> tips, social media all that tips. good stuff. Yeah. Life, we're creating a lifestyle brand. We haven't decided what lifestyle it's it is, Kath, but it's coming. It's just Kathy Lee and Hoda. Yeah. That's, that's what <gasps> we've become. What wine. We, oh, we need wine. We need wine. Oh, that would make this podcast so much better. Everything changes next week. <laughs> Everything. Box wine fronts, yeah. <laughs> Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's new record, Dive Deep on Spotify or iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and wine is the best way to grow your (laughs) business. And for that matter, this podcast. See you next week.